You're listening to Teaching from Midtown Fellowship, a Jesus-centered family on mission in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in finding out more about us, our family of churches, or how to partner with us, go to midtowncolumbia.com. Amen. Amen. As you can see, we're starting a new sermon series today that we're entitling In Christ. That we're entitling In Christ. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, I go by Ant. I serve as the pastor here uh, at Midtown Tonight. If you're a guest with us in the room, if you're a guest and you're joining us online, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning as we get this new sermon series started. It's a blessing to be able to worship with the people of God. Amen, church? Amen. I just feel blessed this morning to be here with you to be able to get into the Word of God. If I can have a transparent moment with you this morning, uh, at different points throughout my life as a Christian, even after becoming uh, a pastor, there are times in my life where I notice my heart doesn't desire God the way that it should. There are times in my Christian life when I, when I notice There are other things I would rather give my time to, other things I would rather give my attention to. There are times in my Christian life when I notice, if I can be honest, I don't feel like reading the Bible right now. I don't feel like seeking God right now. I don't feel like spending time in prayer right now. It feels like a chore. It feels like work. And I begin to get discouraged in my walk and in my faith in Christ in those times. In those times, it is easy for us to run to and cling to different idols in our lives or different things that we tend to to put over God. This is something that I have experienced in my life from time to time again, even after becoming a pastor. Our goal is very simple for this sermon series. It's very simple. We want to do this sermon series for the purpose of helping us grow and enjoying God and growing our affection for him. The reason, the aim, the purpose of this sermon series is that we will grow in our delight in God, that our affections for him, that we will feel more love in our heart for God than we have before. Our desire is that you would enjoy the fact that he is yours and that you are his. That you would enjoy life with him, that you would enjoy knowing him and being known by him. My desire is that we would enjoy being with God in the same way oftentimes when I get home from work, I can just see it in the the speed that they have and the hug and the squeeze that I get when my children see me, that they just enjoy being with me. Our desire for this sermon series is that your affection for God would grow, that you would feel increasing love in your heart for God. As As your pastor, I don't want, and as we'll see from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, God doesn't want for your Christian experience to be a joyless one. He doesn't want you to be following him and and seeking to follow his commands and, and all the demands that we see for us as his followers in Christians, but it be a dry, joyless walk where we experience and we notice all the sacrifice but don't experience joy in him. He doesn't desire us to simply follow him and and notice everything we give up in following him without enjoying being with the one that we are following. A lot of the Christian life is actually about being with God, doing life with him. And we want your, I want your life of submission to God to be fueled as much as possible by enjoying and delighting in God. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, makes a huge statement. 
that I believe gives us great insight into how we might go about growing our joy in the Lord. And we'll use this verse to set up our sermon series as well. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, I'll read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The Greek word that's translated there, blessed, when he says blessed us in Christ, means among other things to make happy. That word means, among other things, to make happy. So he's saying, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has made us happy in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. And our key phrase, obviously, for this series is where we get the title for the series from. He says, we get those in Christ. God's desire is that the different spiritual blessings that he gives us would grant us joy and happiness in him. And the point of this verse is that all of those spiritual blessings that exist, we now have if we are Christ, if we belong to him, if we are in him. And these spiritual blessings that we have here are far greater than any circumstantial blessings that are often fleeting that we might enjoy in this life. By circumstantial blessings, I mean things that God gives us that we should be grateful for, Material things like maybe 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 a home, maybe a car, maybe a job or a career that we've been in searching, or maybe some accomplishment that we've sought God for and prayed God for, and He blessed us with those things. All of those things are great, but I would say they don't hold a candle to the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, the ones that cannot be taken from us because Christ cannot be taken from us, the ones that so long as we have Christ and are found in Him, we will always have these spiritual blessings. I'm talking about the fact that because you are in Christ and Christ is a child of God the Father, that now you are a child. You now are a daughter or son of God the Father. I'm talking about the fact that because you are in Christ, His righteousness has now become your own and God sees you as blameless in His sight. I'm talking about being freed from slavery and bondage to sin. I'm talking about becoming a new creation in Him. I'm talking about the spiritual blessings that you can't find anywhere else, that money can't buy, that you can't get from anywhere else other than God Himself, and they can never ever be taken away from you. And He says, We have all spiritual blessings in Christ. These blessings we have in him are ours because Christ is ours. And if you are a follower of Jesus, the Apostle Paul is saying that God has blessed us with these, meaning they are for your joy and for your happiness. And with this sermon series, we are asking God to grow our affection for him, to, to, to help us to grow in our appreciation for him, our value of him, our delight in him. And we want the goodness of God to not just be something that we understand in our minds, but something that we savor in our hearts, but something that we value and treasure in our hearts. As I read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it reminded me of something a pastor once sent to me in an email. It was a pastor that's going on to be with the Lord. He wrote, give him all he asks, take all that he offers. Give him all he asks, take all that he offers. That, that phrase struck me because oftentimes I think we can hyper-focus in on the commands in Scripture. Not to say we shouldn't focus on those because obviously we should. But I appreciated what he sent to me that day because it reminded me that also there is great joy to be found in him. That as he calls me to make sacrifices, I am sacrificing something lesser for something greater. 
that in pursuing him and following him, whatever I have let go of does not compare to what I am now clinging to in him. That he always gives us more than he asks of us. That he always blesses us with more than he ever asks us to give up. And I can't speak for you, family, but if there is a joy that God, creator of the heaven and earth, the one who, who is love, who created me to, to love me and, and that I might know him. If there is a joy that he wants me to have, I want all of it. I want every bit of it. If there are spiritual blessings that he has given to me in Christ that I might find happiness and joy in him, I want to know where all of them are. And I want to experience the joy that he has for me from these blessings that I have in Christ. I want to know what they are. I want to meditate on them. I want to enjoy them. I want to savor them. In a world where sin has caused so much to be broken, in a world that is so difficult and comes with so many challenges and pains of the God of the universe, saying, hey, I have joy for you. I want to go there. I want to know what that is. And I want it to be real in my experience as a Christian. And that's what we're getting after in this sermon series. That we might grow our delight in him. And to pursue that for seven weeks, we'll be focusing on some of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. So I want to talk a little bit about, about that phrase in Christ, because I believe what the Apostle Paul is saying here is a huge statement. I believe it's a huge statement that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. But what does that phrase mean in Christ? So the phrases like in Christ or in him or in the Lord are used in the New Testament around 200 times. If God says something once, it's important. If we see this 200 times in the New Testament, I think we should probably put our eyes on it, put our hearts on it. I think we should probably seek the Lord. What do you have for us here? What do you want us to grasp and understand and enjoy? This phrase specifically speaks, it speaks to and it emphasizes our union with him, how united we are with him. And for Paul to use that phrase here, it's pointing to the fact that we receive and are blessed and made happy by the spiritual blessings that God gives us because of how united we are with Christ. That we receive these through our union with him. Essentially, I will say that the doctrine of our union with Christ is all about the fact that for believers in Christ, God has bound and united himself to us and us to him. And if you are a Christian, and we'll look into the scriptures as to why I say this in a minute, but if you are a Christian, what we see is that you are actually more united with Christ than you are with anyone or anything else. The doctrine of our union with Christ speaks to the fact that it's not that we just have this adjacent relationship with God where he's over there and we're over here and he's giving us these blessings, kind of passing them over the counter. But no, 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 no. He's saying because of what the apostle is saying, because of how united we are with Christ, because we are in him, the blessings that he has have now become ours. His status as a child of God has now become ours. We'll, we'll spend a whole, whole, whole week on, on, on these, some of these concepts. His righteousness, his, his, his life of perfect righteousness has now become ours because we are so united with him. His victory over sin has now become ours because we are so united with him because he has so joined his life with our lives. Let me try to give an example. Uh, when uh, one of my children was really young, I want to say probably less than six months old. I remember uh, it being cold and rainy outside. And I didn't have an umbrella, but I had to get them from A to B. We had to go through, had to go through the rain. And I, did have a, I didn't have an umbrella. I had a jacket with a hood on it. So what I did was, the, my child was small enough at this time. I brought them, I held them here, 
kind of put the jacket around them, zip the jacket up so the, so the zipper is like right below, you know, child's head that's right here. And I put the hood over my head and I leaned over like this. And in doing so, I was able to protect my child from the storm and the cold and everything that I didn't want my child to experience at that point. What's my point in bringing that up? The way that I provided protection for them was by bringing them closer to me was by bringing them to myself, was the way that I was protecting them from everything that I didn't want them to have to experience. I had what I needed. I had a jacket, and I was able to bring my child in to me. And when I, when I say that we have every spiritual blessing, when the Apostle Paul says we have every spiritual blessing in Christ because of our union with Christ, the way that he saves us is by bringing us to himself, uniting his life with our life, that we might experience every spiritual blessing. So when Paul says he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, this is what he is pointing to, the, the connection and union that we have with him and how we, get, we have access to all the blessings of the gospel through that. And to communicate this concept of our union with Christ, and I would say to communicate just how united we are with Christ, the Bible actually gives us quite a few pictures and metaphors that show us or give us a sense of what our union with Christ is. Is like I don't have time to turn to, to them, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in other places, the, the Bible refers to God, to Jesus as the head and to us as the body. That we are the different members of the body, but he is the head. What is he saying? We're, we are connected to Christ. He is leading us. He has given us direction in life, and we are living under his headship and under his leadership in a way that's very connected to him. And what does Jesus say in John chapter 15? He says that he is the vine and we are the what? And his point is that the only way that we can actually bear fruit, the only way we can actually flourish and prosper spiritually and find the joy that he desires for us to have is through our connection with him, is what he's saying. That he is the vine and we must be, we must be and remain connected to him. So another picture that we have, we can see it in, in, towards the end of the book of Revelation. We also see it in Ephesians chapter 5 where our, our union with him, our connection with him is referred to as a marriage, where he is the groom and we collectively together make up the bride of Christ and we are united with him because he has come and made us his own and we are united in our love with him and for him and because of his love for us. Over and over again, the Bible gives us these helpful pictures and metaphors that communicate to us how united we are with him. And I would say also, maybe at a level even deeper than that, the, the Bible, um, we'll get into this in John chapter 17 in a second, where, the, where Jesus talks about our union with him in a way that, that is profoundly spiritual. Where, where, where it's not just that we're, we're in a, a loving relationship with him, but our, our life is like wrapped up in his life. Or as some scriptures say, that our life is hidden in his life. We're going to look at John chapter 17. This is what uh, many refer to as the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus praying for his disciples the night he's taken away to be crucified. He's praying for those that are with him there. And he says, all who will come to faith because of their message and because of their ministry, which obviously includes all of us as well. John chapter 17, verse 21. He says, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So what Jesus does in verse 21 here is he actually draws on the, the oneness and the unity that he has with the Father to give us something to, to compare our, the, the, the unity that he desires for us to have to, with him with. I'll say that again because I stumbled through that one. 
he lays the foundation in that verse talking about his unity with the Father. We're talking Trinitarian unity and oneness here. And he says, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. He's saying in that same way, he wants us to be in him and have a union with him that is similar to the the union and the oneness that he has with the Father. And just in case you think Jesus misspoke, he said it again in verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the, the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. I in them and you in me. He is connecting the union that he desires to have with us, with the union that he has with the Father, the the eternal oneness that he has with the Father. And y'all, I read this and I'm just in awe. I'm just in awe of how much he desires to be one with me. I'm just in awe of how much he desires to be connected and united with me, that he would describe it in these profound terms, in these profound ways. I'm just in awe that he shows the desire for this to happen in John chapter 17 and as he prays for it. And then a few chapters later, he goes and dies to make it happen later in the book to unite us with himself. This is, an, this is a huge theme in the Bible. Since Genesis chapter three, when mankind, when Adam and Eve sinned against God and were thus separated from, from him, he comes on, on a mission to rescue us and unite us back and bring us back to him. The Apostle Paul also brings up our union with Christ in a way that refers to our life being so united with Christ's life that we are united with him in his death and in his resurrection. I believe I read some of this last week. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So the Apostle Paul here is saying that our life has so become one with Christ's life, has so become united with Christ's life, that some way when he was crucified, we were crucified with him. And when he was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead with him. Where elsewhere in Romans chapter six says, because we were raised to new life with him, we now can walk in newness of life. And in Ephesians chapter two, without turning there, he says that we have been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. That in some profound and deeply spiritual way, our union with Christ is so thorough that we have been, our lives have been so united with his life that even as he sits in the heavenly places right now, we are united with him even there. And the Bible says that we are with him, seated with him there, even as we have both feet on the ground here on the earth. And I said, I said this a little bit earlier, this blows my mind. This caused me to just stand in awe of God. This causes me to stand in awe of the, to the degree to which I have been united with him. And here's part of the reason that that causes me to stand in awe. And here's part of the reason that I desire to, to, to do this sermon series with us. One of the, and I've seen, noticed this so much as a pastor, but even beyond being a pastor, one of the deepest desires that we have as people is to be desired. One of the deepest wants that we have as people is to be wanted. So when I see 
the way the Bible talks about how united I am with Christ, how, how close I am with him, the, the conclusion that just over and over replays in my mind is that he really desires me. And my hope is that the conclusion that is very obvious to your mind as you see this, this profound language that Jesus is using, talking about our, our, our union with him, is how much he desires to be close with you as you are right now. Regardless of what you have done, regardless of what's been done to you, he desires to be with you. If you're, not, if, you're in, if you're in the room and you're not a Christian or if you're, you're joining us online and you're not a Christian, you, you need to know, you need to hear me very clearly. This is what he desires to be with you. The God of the universe, the, the loving one, the one who loves like no other, desires to be with you, desires to know you, doesn't just desire a relationship where you are separate, but desires to bring you to himself and forever connect and unite himself with you and join his life with yours. This blows my mind. Even at times when I try to wrap my mind around it, I feel like it's even too profound to do so sometimes. There's a, a quote, I, won't, I, won't, I don't have it on the screen, but I wanted to read. There's a book on Union with Christ by Rankin Wilborn. Wilborn. The, the title of it is Union with Christ that I highly recommend. Here's one of the things he says in the book. It makes sense that our human understanding could never fully encompass our union with Christ. But the fact that we can't get to the bottom of this ocean doesn't mean we shouldn't put our feet in or even swim. So let us strive to understand and experience, taste, and enjoy all we can of this union. And if I can borrow a sentiment from Rankin Wilborn, I would add, that as I continue to, to uh, what, what has been for me a joyous time of, of seeking to wrap my mind around this, that as I do that and still think, God, this is, I don't have, it, uh, this doesn't fit into any of the categories that I have as far as be, how united I am with you. If I can borrow a sentiment from Rankin Wilborn, one of the things that, that comes to mind is that I, for me to enjoy a day at the beach, I don't need to be able to count how many grains of sand are on the seashore. I don't need to be able to know exactly how much water is in the ocean to enjoy a day at the beach. And I just believe it's healthy sometimes as Christians for us to look at things in Scripture and be like, God, I am so in awe. This is beyond me. This is more profound than I am able to fully wrap my mind around. And in that, enjoy the goodness of God even in that moment. And enjoy him even in that moment. Say, God, I, how, how united I am with you. It blows me away. It is so profound. It is so true. It is so real. It shows so much love. And just like in that moment, if you're at the beach, looking out upon a vast ocean, even though I don't know all the grains of, of sand underneath my feet, I know how to just look at the water and just take it all in. I know how to just enjoy, I know how to take a deep breath and just take it all in and enjoy the moment that I'm in. And I believe as we remember how much he, he desires to be with us and how much he has brought us into himself, my desire is that we would take it all in. That we would take in how much he desires to be close with us, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've gone through, no matter what anyone else has said about you, no matter how many people have deserted you, no matter how many times you failed as a parent, as a friend, as a child, as a spouse, as an employee, no matter how many times you have sinned, God still desires to be with you in a relationship that's closer than anything else you've ever 
experienced. And he died to make it so. He desires to be connected to you. He desires for you to know him and enjoy every spiritual blessing that you have available to you in that union. A family in the church that I grew up in, uh, for many of us, we did a lot of, of hugs in the church to show a lot of camaraderie and friendship and brotherly and sisterly love and that thing. Um, but y'all know, uh, there's, there's different levels of hugs, right? There's categories for hugs. I want to start with a couple of the, Christ, the awkward Christian hugs. Can I do that for a second? I'm going to call this the lean-in hug right here, right? I'm going to call this the lean-in hug, where your feet have to be at least 30 inches away from the person in front of you. Bend at the hip over here. You coming with this arm on this shoulder. They're coming with the other arm on the other shoulder. There's no touching below the shoulders whatsoever because, you know, you got to leave room for the Holy Spirit. That's church, church, church hug number one, excuse me, which is what I call the front lean-in hug. Church hug number two is the Christian side hug. We're real familiar with this one. This is the Christian side hug. Here's the deal with this one. Now, there's benefits. There's pros and cons to all of these hugs. But the benefit to this one is you don't have to throw your hip out. All you got to do is wrap the arm around here. It's okay to have a little contact with the side hug. You ain't got to throw your hip out trying to make sure you stay separate. As long as, you know, what the taller person, their arm is around the shoulder. The shorter person, their arm goes around the waist. Not too low because, again, we in church. But there's, there's benefits to that one as well. Now, there's another hug. I'm going to call it the auntie hug. I had a couple aunts that ended up joining the church that I grew up in. And a lot of the times when I would hug them, particularly on Sundays, it wasn't a Christian side hug. It wasn't a Christian front lean hug. It was a strong, it was a firm embrace. It was an embrace that communicated love to me. It was an embrace that communicated, I, I like being with you. I like the relationship that we have. I enjoy the fact that we are here together right now. And in the, I mean, it was almost a bear hug at times. It was a, I am pulling you into myself with my strength and I want to communicate to you and I want to enjoy with you the relationship that we have through this embrace that we are sharing right now. There are times when I embrace someone that I deeply know and love and we pull each other close and in that moment, I'm just able to take in the goodness of the relationship that we have at that point. And my hope for this series is that as we consider our union with Christ, we would recall and we would take in how much he has embraced us and pulling us to himself. That we would see that, that we would see that as an act of love. We're going to get into different spiritual blessings that we have as a result of our union with Christ, but I'm just asking that we would consider it a blessing just that he brought us to himself in the way that he did, knowing what it cost him to do it. Knowing that he so desired to be in relationship with us, so desired to unite us with himself, that he was willing to die in our place so that he could have us. That we would see that in and of itself as a spiritual blessing that cannot be taken away from us. And my prayer is that we would all take in and enjoy the fact that because of our union with Christ... No matter how much you have sinned against God, you are always now and forever more bound to him. And there is no one or no thing that can take you away from him. That we would take in and enjoy the fact that because of our union with Christ, you are now and forevermore united with someone who fully knows you, who has, who has heard every word you've ever said, who has seen everything that you've ever done. So you don't have to put up a front. You don't have to watch your words. You don't have to walk on eggshells. You can just be with who you are, knowing the security that he will always be with you, that he will never forsake you.
I want us to, to just take in the fact that because of our union with Christ, his righteousness has now become our own and our sin and our, and our guilt became his own when he died on the cross in our place. I want us to take in the fact that because our life has been so joined with his life, what is, what is his has become ours and now his, his status as a child of God has now become our own and we will forever be children of the most high God. I want us to take in the fact that in his death and resurrection, because you were united with him, even in his death and resurrection, his victory over sin has now become your victory over sin. And he is working in you and transforming you and changing you and making you more and more like him. And sin cannot ultimately defeat you no more than it can ultimately defeat him because you are in him. That we would enjoy and take in the fact that one day this union will not just be a thing that we, that we believe in through faith, but if we will see it with our own eyes, that he will come and take us to bring us home with him, that we would take in, that we would, that we would believe and savor all of the spiritual blessings that we have because of our union with him. Before I close, I want us to take another look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. That reads, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Family, here's what I would love for you to do this week. I'm giving you a homework assignment. I hope you're okay with that. My desire for you, my request of you this week, every day this week, starting today, going all the way through Saturday. Number one is that we would read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 every day this week that you would read it every single day. What you'll find in that passage is the apostle Paul begins to, after letting us know in verse three that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, he begins to lay out some of the spiritual blessings that we have, some of which we'll be, we'll be getting into during this sermon series. But I'm asking you to just read it. I'm asking you to take your time when you read it, maybe read it through a few times every day this week. I'm asking you to make time to do that. And the second thing that I'm asking you to do is that you will pray that God would use this sermon series to grow our joy in him. Here at Midtown, two notch and across our family of churches, I'm asking that all of our members would will, will, will read that passage every day. And as you're reading through it, as you're reading about the forgiveness that, you ha- that we have in Christ, that you will pray, God, give us joy in knowing what it means that you have forgiven us. Give us joy in your forgiveness. Help us to not take it for granted. As we're reading about the redemption that we have in Christ and ultimately the victory that we'll have in Christ, that we will pray, God, help us to to enjoy this and know that this is because of your character and who you are. Help us to enjoy you because of all these spiritual blessings that you have blessed us with. So I'm asking that you would do that every day. And even as I'm asking you to do that now, I'm just wondering, God, what might you do if we commit to praying for that? How might you grow our joy for you? How might you increase our joy and you and our delight in you that we would delight in you more than any other idol in our life, more than anything that would, that would lead us away from you because we have found our joy and you we have found a joy that no one can take away from us because our joy is in you. It is in Christ. So would you commit to reading that passage every day this week? Would you commit to praying for all of us, not just for your own joy, but before even here at our church and across our family of churches as well, that we find much joy and happiness for our souls in these spiritual blessings that God has blessed us with that we're going to continue to work through and examine in this series. Family, would you actually start by doing that right now? As I pray for uh, our time, would you pray those things over our church right now?